This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here, and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast, episode 116 for this Friday the 13th. <laughs> uh, sorry. So, how was your Christmas and New Year? And yes, Happy New Year to you. When do we actually stop saying that to people? Maybe in July or August? So, how was your week? Hope it went well. So sad to see the Friary close its doors last week after being in town for hundreds of years. I believe the mass there was packed to the rafters. That's the last mass. I was there Christmas Day, actually. Um, Getting quite emotional there, knowing that it wouldn't be here for mass next year. Also, sad to hear a business closing in town. The Greyhound Bar on the Waterford Road is set to close its doors, I believe, this weekend. Works are taking place on the bypass too this week. I think they're installing new side barriers along the road there, but traffic is still flowing nicely. Happy birthday to the Clonmel Photo Centre in O'Connor Street, who celebrated 10 years in business this week. On a downside of things, I see the vandals have already struck on the new Civic Plaza with a handrail being bent out of shape during the week. I mean, come on, what is going on? Can't we have anything new or nice in town without someone doing some sort of damage to it? Now, I do believe the Guardia are looking into this as well. And it looks like Jerry Chalk's bar in Upper Gladstone Street is set to get a new lease of life as planning application went to the council this week for a restaurant, takeaway and bar on the premises. Now, I heard that it's going to be an Indian restaurant stroke takeaway. Don't know how true that is. So what is coming up this week on the Clonmel Podcast? I hear you ask. I chat to Paul Ronan from the Ronan Group. Wrestling comes to the Talbot Hotel. How you could become a pranic healer. Shorefest 2023. Plus bingo, jobs and lots more all on the way. The Clonmel Podcast. But first, a toy drive is underway for Clonmel's new toy library. I caught up with Jenny Brewer from Zero Waste Marketplace in Anglesey Street to find out more. Jenny Brewer, welcome to the Clonmel Podcast. Hello, Mark. Tell us about Clonmel's first toy library. Yes. So uh, hopefully by the end of the month, we will be up and running with our first toy library. So it's a collaboration between myself and the wonderful Louise Lawler, who's really, you know, kind of taking control over the whole thing. I'm just providing a venue and a collection point, I suppose. So the theory being, so we've gotten lots of donations in for toys already, um, some really lovely ones. And once a month, the plan is on the last Saturday of every month um, at the shop here in Clonmel, we will have the Toy Library and the Clonmel Repair Cafe. And the Toy Library will work. You can come in, you can borrow one or two toys. Um, you keep them for three weeks, uh, drop them back into the shop to me. Myself and Louise will do a clean up on them if needs be, and they'll be back on the shelf then for the following week. This is a great idea. Isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah, I can't take any credit for it at all, really, (laughs) the idea. It's all really Louise. Louise's idea and um, yeah but it's all about keeping toys in circulation keeping stuff out of landfill and making things easier for parents Um, and like I was saying to you earlier you know kids get sick of playing with toys within a week or so you know so uh, just being able to kind of just keep them in circulation it's all about um, yeah circular economy. Are you still looking for donations of toys? Yes (laughs) we have lots in some really lovely ones already but um, yes, I'm still taking toys. So yeah, drop them in anytime I'm open, Wednesday to Friday, 11 till five, and Saturdays half eight until two. And what types of toys are you after? Anything that works, <laughs> basically. But um, board games we'll take as well, costumes, just no soft toys. 
but pretty much anything else. As long as they're clean and in the working order, yeah. And is there an age uh, limit for kids? Kind of zero to six is kind of what we're after, but yeah, you know, in and around that age group. Yeah. Okay, so Zero Waste Marketplace here in Anglesey Street. If you do have any toys, maybe even left over from Christmas mm, now, yep. and you'd like to donate, drop them into here at the shop. Yes, exactly. We look forward to keeping tabs on this. Yay. So Jenny Brewer, thank you very much. Thank you. Now, I posted this on social media last week, kind of thinking if you have any boxes of biscuits or sweets from Christmas that you're thinking you're not going to use, why not drop them off at the Clonmel Community Soup Kitchen at the railway station, where they'll be gratefully appreciated. They're open Tuesdays from 5 to 7pm, Thursdays from 11am to 12pm, and on Fridays from 9.30am to 12.30pm. Just a thought with that one. Same with the Tipperary Hygiene Bank based here in town. You may have received some toiletry gift sets over Christmas, which may contain some items that you may not use. The Hygiene Bank has various drop-off points around town. I know there's one at O'Gorman's Pharmacy and another at the Sue Ryder Charity Shop. Get a full list of their drop-off points on their social media pages. A Community Safety Awareness Day is happening at Moyle Rovers on Sunday the 29th of January from 10am to 3pm for Down Syndrome Island Tipperary Branch. Now the aim is to stamp out bike theft. So why not pop along and get your bike marked with your air code so it will become traceable. And check out some road safety interactive messages while you're waiting. Plus make a donation to Down Syndrome Tipperary. Seesaw have their dropping listening support service and telephone service every Monday and Thursday at 24 William Street here in town. And it's on from 6.30pm to 7.30pm. And if you can't make it in, you can call this number during that time for a chat. It's 052-61-72477. Now, how about taking up some yoga this new year? It's on at Kalerni Community Hall starting every Thursday from January the 26th for five weeks between 6 and 7 p.m. Price is just 50 euros, and yes, like me, it's suitable for beginners. For more details, you can call Rebecca on 086-870-5756 or email 4mountainsyoga at gmail.com. Always contemplated taking up yoga. And staying with yoga, there's also a kids' yoga and mindfulness starting on Tuesday the 17th of January, that's next Tuesday, at the Clarehan Community Hall. And it's on then every Tuesday between 3.45 and 4.45pm. Price is €50 for five weeks. And it's for children aged between 6 and 10 years. You can call this number for more details, 087-612-5923. How about some American wrestling? Come on, who wasn't a Hulkamaniac or going back even further, a fan of Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks back in the day? Well, even though the last two aren't from the States. You may be glad to hear that American wrestling is coming to the Talbot Hotel Poppy Fields on Sunday the 12th of February. The kids and maybe some of the adults like me will love this. Price is just €10 from hotel reception. Doors open at 2.30 and the grappling, I believe that's an old wrestling term, gets underway at 3pm. Stephen Milan's Ouch is coming to Baker's Comedy Club on Thursday the 9th of March as seen on RTE and Netflix. Tickets are just €12 from tickets.ie or Hearns Hotel and doors open there at 8pm. Bingo time! Bingo is on at Hillview Sports Club this Monday, the 16th of January at 7pm with eyes down at 8. Jackpot stands at €1,000, so wouldn't that be nice after Christmas, with prize money at two grand. And let's be honest about it, what a great way to spend your Monday.
Meanwhile, just out the road in Newcastle, a 5k road race takes place there on Sunday the 29th of January at 11am. Price is €12 plus booking fee. And all money raised will go towards Newcastle National School. Get more details on the Newcastle 5k road race Facebook page. Staying with running, due to flooding on the course, tomorrow's Clonmel Park run has been cancelled. However, the Feathered Park run is still going ahead, so there's a bit of an alternative for you. Or maybe you could just run out to Feathered and back. There's a run and a half. A Pranic Healing Level 1 course is coming to St Oliver's Parish Hall on Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th of February. Get all the details about Pranic Healing, the benefits for you, and how you could take part in this course on the Pranic Healing in Clonmel Facebook page. The ETB here in town are holding a special needs assisting evening course, level six. You must hold QQI, minor award special needs assisting 5N1786 and have experience working in the childcare sector or with people with additional needs. Get more information by calling this number 051 640 742 or email eveningtraining at Golf. The Clonmel Golf Club are holding ladies match play Monday starting this Monday the 16th of January with no handicap limit. All ladies are welcome to attend. The Football Academy of Ireland are holding some coaching at the Clonmel Town FC grounds. It's their Clonmel Player Development Centre Elite Coaching for Maximum Development. It starts on the 20th of January and you can get more details on the Clonmel Town FC Facebook page or at footballacademyofireland.com. Clonmel World Music presents Surefest 2023. Four shows, two venues over two weekends. It all gets underway at Moynihan's Bar, great pub, on Friday the 27th of January with Tim O'Brien. Donald Clancy is also at Moynihan's on Thursday the 2nd of February with Slam there on Friday the 3rd of February. And coming to Raheen House on Saturday the 4th of February from Chicago, USA, is special consensus. Tickets are available at www.clonmelworldmusic.com. The Clonmel Commercials Ladies and Men's Football Clubs are holding a dinner dance and medal presentation at the Talbot Hotel on Saturday the 11th of February. Music by Loose Cannons, followed by DJ. Price of tickets is €50 Euros and are available from Joe Mack on... You can email him, mcnamarajoe85 at gmail.com or just give him a call, 87 241-7381. That's set to be a great night. And speaking of great nights, what about this? Clonmel World Jumping are holding an 80s and 90s jumping party on Wednesday, the 8th of March at 7pm. So grab your shoulder pads, leather pants and leg warmers and enjoy jumping to the best hits of the 80s and 90s. More details on their social media pages. That is going to be brilliant. And I can't wait to see the photographs. By the way, good luck to Pat Bradshaw, whose documentary How Music Changed My Life is being shown to the public at IMC Clonmel tomorrow at 8pm, where he highlights the long tradition of music in the CBS High School. I believe they had the red carpet event last weekend. So good luck, Pat, with that. The Clonmel Podcast Job Spot. Right, jobs this week. What have we got? The Junction Cafe is looking for experienced full-time waiting staff. Four-day week, no nights. How good is this? Drop your CV into the cafe or email junctioncafe18 at gmail.com. Tesco in town are looking to hire team leaders, full-time, part-time. Tesco.com slash ROI careers has more details for you or just inquire in the store. 
Rivsey and Irish Town are hiring. You must be able to work midweek and weekends. Get more on their social media pages or email jobs at rivsey.ie. R-I-F-E-S-C-I dot I-E. Boston Scientific are hiring production builders. Various shifts available. Jobs.bostonscientific.com has more for you. As we get ready for the new Little Store to open around the end of March in Queen Street, they are holding a walk-in open day on Saturday the 21st of January to recruit for this shiny new store. Get more details on www.jobs.little.ie. What else is going in there? There's going to be another few stores, is there, or cafes, I believe. There's a couple of more buildings in there apart from the big Little Store, isn't there? Treaty Electric are looking to hire a new member of staff. Get more details on their social media pages. Fieldmaster are hiring. They're looking for a full-time sales assistant. Must be computer literate. Have experience in sales and customer service. You can email your CV to Magella at fieldmasterclommel.com. Dove Hill are looking to hire sales assistants for their fashion and gift department. Email your CV to gsheridan at blarney.com by January the 22nd. Citizens Information here in town are looking to hire information officers part-time, 17 and a half hours a week. Get more details on the County Tipperary Citizens Information Service Facebook page. And finally, Halo Hair are looking for a qualified stylist and junior stylist with at least two years' experience. Email debbiehalohairclonmel at outlook.com for more. If you'd like to advertise a job on the Clonmel podcast, just email Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, it's time for the first interview of the new year. And I made my way to Dudley's Mills and caught up with Paul Ronan from The Ronan Group. The Club Mail Podcast. I've come to The Ronan Group here at Dudley's Mills and I'm joined by Paul Ronan. Welcome to The Club Mail Podcast. Thank you very much. Can we talk about the tannery back in the day here at Dudley's Mills? Who started it? It was started by uh, my uncle, uh, Louis and my father, uh, Tom Ronan, mm. uh, back in the late 50s. And it was purely started just uh, collecting hides and skins, uh, preserving them in salt and exporting them in that uh, condition. And uh, then the onward processing uh, grew over the years that uh, followed uh, into various uh, uh, forms of leather. What made them set up a tannery? Um, they, well, as far as handling the hides and skins are concerned, there was a monopoly um, of, it, of all hides, for example, uh, had to go to the Irish Leathers Group, uh, which was uh, decreed by uh, the government. Mm. So there was no uh, competition in the industry. And uh, so my father decided that he wanted to uh, break that mould and uh, hence to start uh, um, uh, preserving uh, hides and skins and uh, managed to uh, break out and uh, ex- export them. So they were the first hides and skins exported out of Ireland. The very first? The very first, yeah. So a guy that went from what, the boat? So they, uh, was it? initially they were all uh, each uh, each hide was tied up in a nice little package and mm. uh, they were uh, shipped down by truck and uh, in loaded on a loose onto boats. No uh, containers back water, then. No containers. <laughs> no forklifts back then. Wow. No. <laughs> I mean, I must explain. Was it the meat factory that your father had then? Was it? Yeah, they they uh, they, they, they owned uh, what was Clonmel Foods yeah. uh, back then, uh, which became Clonmel Chilling after and they could see that you know the hide was a byproduct that uh, 
you know, it had a, had a value to it. Many people in Clonmelpool were employed by Rowland's Tannery, weren't they, back in, back in the day? Yeah, many families. Yeah. Uh, My own they, dad they, worked here as well many years ago. Uh-huh. No, many families uh, came through and a lot of people were spent, spent most of their life uh, working here. At the peak of it, uh, we're at about 180 people in, the, uh, in wow. the tannery. I've walked around here many times as well. It's a huge uh, premises here, massive buildings. Was it always that size? No, it, it grew. It, it was, mm. it, it, it's called Dudley's Mills. It was mm. the original, uh, an old mill building. Uh, that they started in and uh, added on to it and uh, it got to about 160,000 square feet of uh, processing space uh, eventually. Mm. And I have to ask as well, so you came on board. Now, please tell me that when you got your first position here, you weren't straight into the office sitting behind a nice desk with a nice typewriter or something. Did you have no, to start at the no, beginning? I had to start at the beginning. What and, was your uh, first, what was your first uh, job? Uh, you know, being the boss's son yeah. and everything. Uh, one of my first jobs was uh, at that time, uh, wool was, uh, was, was taken off the sheepskins. Mm. Uh, it was dried and then packed into uh, wool bales. And at that time there was uh, no press packing machines as there subsequently were. So you had to, somebody had to get in, a wool bale was hung out at the ceiling and somebody right. had to get into the wool bale and walk the wool down into it. Oh my God. Uh, so I used to be thrown into the wool bale and uh, then... The, <laughs> not literally, uh, I then, then not, not literally, but then the guys would decide that it was time to go off for tea break and leave me in the wool bale, but I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> so, uh, so I had to finish... <laughs> finish packing the wool bed before I, it got the, the wool got high enough that I could make my way out of it. That's a tough old gig, though, was it? It was. It was. Mm, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, you know, it was it, it, in, throughout the uh, tannery. The, you know, the work was pretty, mm. pretty uh, heavy and laborsome. And did you get did you get a bit of stick at first being the boss's son? Oh, always. Yeah, yeah always. <laughs> Hence being left up on a wool, yes, yeah, <laughs> a wool Exactly, yeah, yeah. So I gather you worked your way up, did you? Worked my way up and um, yeah, spent, spent a couple of years abroad in uh, working in tanneries as well. What was that like? Um, did that differ much to where you were here in Clonmel? No, quite similar. Mm. Uh, you know, these would have been... Just warmer? Uh, yeah, just warmer, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what they tended to do on the continent, uh, you tended to have uh, clusters of tanneries in specific towns, you know, so in Italy in particular, mm. uh, towns uh, where you know, would located, you could have anywhere between 200 and 400 tanneries in a town. So mm. you got to see plenty. Must have been nice going off to uh, different parts of the world to it, work there. Was it, it? it was, and actually, you know, was, uh, afterwards, you know, when I started getting more involved in the day-to-day workings of the business it was as an industry it was more global than most industries were at the, at, at the time um you know it, it was from china to russia to bulgaria to uh south america i mean one got to see an awful lot of the world that a lot of other people wouldn't have seen maybe not the smartest parts of those countries mm, but mm. Uh, yeah uh, and where were most of the product here exported to um, most it, it it varied. Uh, it it moved around quite a bit. Um, for example, you know during the Iron Curtain time, uh, one of our big customers for quite a number of years uh, for semi-processed leather was uh, Hungary, 
and uh, they used to send their own trucks over and about four or five trucks a week would arrive in, load up and off to Hungary. Russia was another one. Uh, Italy has always been a, a, a very big market uh, because they're probably the biggest producers of leather worldwide and they, and they continue to be. Mm. Uh, then China started coming on uh, in, in more recent times because as a business, it's very labor intensive. Uh, no hides or skins are uh, the same. Uh, so you're, you, you can't completely automate the process. So the cost of labor over in Asia uh, was a heck of a lot cheaper than what it was here in Europe. Um, so a lot of the industry tended to gravitate over there. And would that have been part of the demise in the end? That and uh, you know, environmental costs, again in Asia at that time, they wouldn't have had any uh, effluent treatment or anything like that. Whereas you know, in this part of the world, environmental uh, costs and requirements were getting uh, more and more onerous. So that and labor costs eventually was the, de the demise of leather manufacturing in a lot of uh, Europe. Um, as I say, Italy is the one that has uh, survived, but I mean, uh, England, uh, there's almost no uh, leather industry left there. France, almost none. You know, it, a lot of uh, countries uh, have lost the industry and probably wouldn't, it'll never recover there. And we must explain as well, you mentioned earlier, back in the day, a lot of product would go into the river, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, the... The, the fish were uh, huge. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were, they were, they were thriving. Back in those yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely. I know, because I, I remember speaking to one of the guys uh, who worked in Burke's Bacon on the podcast, and he was saying a lot of, you know, the remains of the animals go into the river, and the lads would be there fishing. That's right, the fish, would, fish would thrive on, on would that. Thrive. Yeah. But then he also said there was the, the amount of varieties of fish in the river then, there was a lot more than what they are today. There was, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, your know, salmon, trout, uh, all the, uh, that, that, the, the, the volume of it. And I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's hard to know what, what the cause of it is because I mean, the rivers have cleaned up mm. dramatically in the mm. uh, last 15, 20 years. Um, but you know, I think a lot of the, the are being caught at sea and not being allowed to get up the rivers. So you worked your way up to what was your your final I position? Being a being a director, I suppose. There we go. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, uh, and we continued to add on. I mean, the types of leather we produced were cattle hides uh, went predominantly for um, uh, upholstery leather, be it car upholstery, aircraft upholstery, and uh, you know, furniture upholstery. Actually, one of our big customers. Back along was a company called Connolly Leather, who uh, supplied Bentley, uh, Rolls Royce, oh, really? Jaguar, all of oh, those. Prestige cars, yeah. They were pretty, yeah, very prestige. And um, then uh, the uh, some of the uh, cattle hide leather would go for uh, um, footwear. Uh, although now, if you look around, you see an awful lot of people wearing uh, sports shoes, which is not great for the business. Uh, and um, handbags and like, harness leather. Uh, that uh, handbags is still a very very big uh, market 
But it was big know. business back in the day, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Mm. Yeah, it was. And it still is, it still is very big business uh, worldwide, but just mm. uh, you know, most of the manufacturing, as I say, has not been done in, in Europe uh, anymore. Must have been a tough decision to make to close the, that part of the business. It was, yeah. Um, it, 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 things were, were, were getting uh, very tight. I mean, to try and uh, you know, to try and keep a margin, it was getting tougher and tougher. As I say, because of the competition, mm. one was meeting from uh, Asia, and um, around that time, then I, it, it was around the time of the Gulf War, which. Uh, you know, everything just stopped stone dead for a period of six months or a year, which probably prompted the decision as well. Uh, mm. At the time, we had a, a sit-in for uh, about four months after we announced the closure. As in but here? As in here, Really? Yeah. Yeah. So they all refused to leave? They, they did. They oh, did. my God. Uh, but uh, we, managed to, we managed to get that resolved. And uh, yeah, there was about four months when... Uh, we were sort of stuck in a stalemate. Again, you know, I think when a business like that, especially a business in town, does close, that's been in the town for so many years, employed so many people, you know, no one likes. No, they don't. Them, and, do you they? Know, and quite a number of people uh, had been here for 20, 30, 40 years even. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's been, it's been your life and it is. It's, uh, oh no, it's, and it wasn't a decision uh, taken lightly uh, mm. because, uh, you know, it's it, 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 there's all those ramifications uh, attached to it. It's quite bizarre when you walk into Dudley's Mills. The old clocking in card machine is, is still, it's still there. there. It's it still is. there. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It really uh, is. And uh, you know, the, the the buildings have now been you know were all the machinery that were cleared out of them and they've now been converted into industrial units. But uh, but you know, fund of buildings are fundamentally still the same as mm. uh, they they the they were uh, when we closed down. When you did come to close down, how many staff were employed at that stage? Because you were saying been, there was well over 100. There would have been 180 or so. Oh my God. Yeah, there were. So still a big yeah, amount of staff. A big amount of staff, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, so I mean, it, 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 yeah, it did have reverberations, don't doubt about that. But the Ronan group is still going? So, yep. Um, I mean, I had all the uh, contacts that I had down through the years, uh, you know, for uh, selling leather in various uh, stages of process. So uh, I continue to uh, trade cattle hides. So now I... Still big business, Paul, is it? It's still big business, yeah. I mean, I ship to South America, Uruguay, to uh, China. Um, Spain, or sorry, Italy, still a very big one. Uh, Germany, Spain, France, uh, you know, throughout Europe. Yeah, but of course, none of the manufacturing is done here anymore. None of the manufacturing is done in Ireland anymore. And in England, where uh, when I started out in the business, it would have been somewhere in the region of a hundred tanneries. Uh, I think there's something like five left. So mm. you know, that that tells you the uh, you know, the the move away from this part of the world as there has been. And we're in this lovely old house here in Dudley's Mills. This is where you grew up, isn't it? Yes, it is. What yeah. was it like growing up here? Uh, well, the factory was right be, uh, right behind us. And uh, if a truck broke down uh, coming from a, a meat company, uh, my mother used to get a phone call and she, there wasn't much she could do about it. But uh, the, and, you know, the factory was getting bigger and uh, we had, were very tight for office space. So we've ultimately decided to move out of here in 1966 and turn this into offices. And what's the history of the old house? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, but obviously, who would have had this before you? Would you know? I don't know. Mm. No, I, I uh, that I don't know. 
the old uh, we must have had some association with the old mill um, mm. and the, the mill was, was called Dudley's Mills but I think it started out initially as a Franciscan uh, oh. uh, owned by the Franciscan order uh, back in the 1600s uh, oh, wow. <laughs> and where did you go to school? So up I, the road? Yeah, I went to school up the road in the, in the, in the Loretto uh, convent for about two years and then Powerstone National School. You went to Powerstown? Uh, I did, yeah. yeah. Lot smaller yeah. back then? A lot smaller back then. <laughs> it certainly was. It certainly was. It, did you have it, any aspirations to do something else? Uh, be involved in something else? Not, no, not really. Not even not at really. school when you kind of, you know, be thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind. Not no. move, moving into teaching, but moving into yeah, some, not, something not, else. Not really, no, mm. no. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, as a business, you started off every Monday morning, or well, sorry, every Friday afternoon, you had no raw material for your uh, production the following week. The meat uh, industry decided to sell their hides and skins on a weekly basis, so you were phoning around and uh, obviously they could make a Dutch auction out of it. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, so you had to purchase enough, whether you liked the price or not, you had to purchase enough to keep the, uh, the tannery going for the following week. Uh, and so when you were at school, maybe in your, I'm gathering teenage years, were you also then starting to work part-time, like a Saturday, no, oh, yeah, a Saturday yeah. job was, in the, was, for the company? When I was at home uh, during the summer holidays, uh, mm. Uh, that yeah, uh, spend spend the holidays working here. I remember my first uh, wage packet was eight shillings and fourpence. Eight shillings. Was, Can you remember what you spent it on, or uh, did you save it? I, I no, I, I, I wouldn't have saved it. No, I definitely spent it. <laughs> How old were you then? Uh, I think then I was about. Uh, I think it was about eleven. Eleven years <laughs> yeah, of age. Yeah, oh yeah. my god! Because I know what we were saying it's it's tough work, isn't it? It is, yeah. It was quite. It was quite heavy work. Mm. Uh, more with cattle hides than the sheepskins. Mm. Uh, with the cattle hides, it was quite heavy work. With the sheepskins, it, it, it not not so, not so much so. And did you go on to college at all, or did you go straight into the business? No, I went on to uh, to college and uh, studied commerce in college. Right. Okay. And uh, good good years yeah. at college. Very good years. Too good. Where, where... <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? Uh, UCD. Ah, right. Yeah. So you were, you were yeah. based in Dublin. Based in Dublin, yeah. 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 And you enjoyed... Uh, I gather you were living up there too, weren't I you? I was, yeah. 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 Uh, we had a depot in Dublin as well uh, where we used to take all the hides and skins from around that part of the country uh, into the depot in Dublin. So I was spending sort of the mornings in college and the uh, afternoons in the office there. So it wasn't still quite close to it. And the premises that was out by Rose Green... I, I can always remember when you drive to Cashel before the motorway was yeah, there. Yeah. You would know you were, and, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, but you got the smell of the. You did, you did, yeah. Of, of the, the animals <laughs> as, as the skins as you, yeah. as you drove by. And it was quite funny because for people who wouldn't experienced it before, they go, oh, Jesus, what's that smell? Yeah. You know, it's just the. <laughs> Yeah, there's an uh, animal byproducts uh, processing facility, uh, so all the other offals, except for the hides, uh, would have gone there for processing into uh, protein meals and that. Oh. Uh, yeah, you, one wouldn't get away with those, those sort of smells nowadays. People were, are far less tolerant now than they were. Because there was, wasn't there? It was like, you know, out in care, I think there was the smell That's from was care, another, was another care meats, there. was it? Or, yep, or yep. one of the places out there? Just beside care, the meat planting. And for issues, uh, there, there was big issues with that for years, wasn't there? Was, there was, you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so has the place in Rose Green gone as well now? Yeah, that's that's that closed. Ooh, that closed about 
that's closed about uh, nearly 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. So good times good working times. here. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I love the fact that you did start, I suppose you could say, getting stuck in with the hard graft like the yeah. rest of the workers and then kind of made your way up. I think that's a great thing. Your dad didn't say, you know, son, we won't put you in there. Yeah. Well, did you did you want to go in there? Uh, oh no, I, I did. Yeah, because I get my eighties and fourpence. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was the only way that you'd actually get to know the industry because um, you know sheep, sheepskins or cattle hides. They're not like uh, sheets of plastic or that. Mm. They're, they all differ, mm. and uh, you know, so you've you've grades, different grades. You've different grades of wool on the sheepskins. You know, you've different weight categories in the cattle hides. And it's the only way you actually get to know it. You, you, you don't get to know it sitting in an office. And of course, back in the 80s and 90s, the big thing was to have a sheepskin coat, wasn't it? The big thing was to have a sheepskin coat. It, it was. And it a lot was of car a, salesmen had that, it was, a stat, it was a status symbol, you know. Uh, we actually, I opened a, a shop here at the, uh, Did you? At the tannery. Yeah, back uh, again, probably back in the late 80s. Right. And, uh, so it was, on the pre- it was on the premises here, was oh, it? Oh, yeah, it's just, just beside the offices here. Yeah. And uh, sheepskin coats were the major. Uh, so I used to send our sheepskin off to... Dublin to a couple of manufacturers up there. They'd make up the garments and then send them back here. And, uh, you know, it was outside town, but, uh, you know, because it, people felt that they were getting value, they were getting straight at the site. Of the Locally tannery. as well, you know, exactly, the leather yeah. came from here, was yeah. produced here. Yeah, and, and that, that did very, very well. But if you look around now, you see very, very few people wearing sheepskin coats. Mm. Uh, you know, it's all uh, quilted jackets and that. Uh, so they're pretty what a thing in the past. They how really how well did the shop do at the time? It, it did very well. well. Did it run? It, did you have it open for long? Oh, it was open for 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. Oh no, it God. did very, very well. And we had a robbery. And uh, I mean, they say, you know, robbery when you cleaned out this, they turned out to be a gang from uh, Tala in Dublin. And they cleaned it out. I mean, they came in, there was the girl. They'd done the shop, did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they came in one winter's evening and there was a girl in the shop just Saturday evening. And uh, they, uh, I think they had, they, they were armed. If I'm not mistaken, they, I think they were armed. And uh, they cleaned the place out. And all the coats? All the coats, everything. Uh, so uh, that was, uh, at that stage, you know, it, it, it was starting to flag. So, you know, we just decided not to, uh, not to re- restock it. So I gather the Roan label was on the back of the jacket. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I wonder um, any any of those coats are still going today. I'd say there may be the odd one here and there. But you pos- know when you buy a good quality coat, it lasts for years, it doesn't does, it? Paul? It does, and particularly sheepskin coats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few people in town listening to this going, I've got one of those Ronan coats in the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. And who knows, it might come back into fashion one day. It may do, it may do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it continued in, say, over in Russia and places like that as more of a fashion garment. Mm, uh, mm, but mm. You, you very rarely see them now. So, uh, being living in Clonmel for years, you're now out by a feathered way. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favourite part of Clonmel? Uh, what's my favourite part of Clonmel? Down here, I mean, the, the uh, you know, Culver Road across the old bridge and uh, this side of town. Mm. Yeah. It is a nice part of town. It is a nice it? part of town, yeah, it is. Well, listen, thank you for joining us on the Clonmel podcast. Paul Ronan, thank you very much. Welcome, Mark. Thank you.
The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Paul. So there we have it. That is the Clonmel Podcast for this Friday, the 13th, episode 116. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email the Clonmel Podcast at gmail.com. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, on the website, www.theclonmelpodcast.com. It's great to be back. Enjoy the rest of your Friday the 13th. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'm sure it's been fine so far. I will talk to you next week. Stay safe, look after one another, and thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast.